Welcome to the Veterinary Pulse podcast. My name is Jordan Benshia. I'm the executive director of the VIN Foundation. Veterinary Pulse is the heartbeat of the profession. Join us as we talk with veterinary colleagues about critical topics from student debt to mental health and share stories. Stories connect us as humans, as animals, as a veterinary community. This podcast is made possible through individual donors like yourself and our technology partnership with VIN, the Veterinary Information Network. Thank you for being here. This episode, we're having a discussion with fourth year University of Illinois veterinary student, Shiloh Lanskoff. Shiloh has been an active member of the VBMA, the Veterinary Business Management Association, most recently serving as the National Compliance Director. As she makes her way to graduation, we discuss the realities of being a fourth year in the age of COVID. Thank you for listening. Hi, Shiloh. Welcome to the Veterinary Pulse podcast. Thank you so much for being here. Hi, thanks for having me. So can you sort of introduce yourself to us and tell us uh, a little bit about where you are in your veterinary career? Yeah, I'm Shiloh Lanscove, and I'm a fourth year veterinary student at the University of Illinois, and I am in the class of 2020, so I'll be graduating this May. Wonderful. That's, um, I bet we'll chat about that a little bit. It's probably a very interesting time to be a fourth year veterinary (laughs) student right now. (laughs) Definitely. Uh, And how were you first introduced to the VIN Foundation? Um, the first time I ever really interacted was when I went to the SAVMA symposium when it was held at Texas A&M. Um, I was at a wet lab for darting wildlife and we were actually in the middle of darting some sort of feral cat. It could have been a bobcat, but I'm, I can't really remember. Um, and I got a phone call about this contest that I entered where you just write your name and put it into a hat and they draw your name and you win a TV. And it was the VIN foundation, um, calling me, t- telling me that I had won. <laughs> so I basically finished up the wet lab and got my TV. And that was my first memory of the VIN foundation. <laughs> well, that sounds good. Cause it's a positive memory. So I like it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And how's, how's the TV? I was still doing well. So great. (laughs) It's always fun to see people and give those out. So, uh, so what, what drew you originally to the veterinary profession? Yeah. So I'm not really the typical, um, vet student who grew up knowing they wanted to be a vet since they were three. Um, growing up, I had a lot of interests in science and animals I never really knew exactly what I wanted to be, but I always had a connection with animals and I was obsessed with the crocodile hunter. I don't know if you're familiar with Steve Irwin, Yep, yep. Um, <laughs> but I went outside every day and played in the woods, got all muddy, caught snakes and frogs and just kind of loved wildlife and conservation and, and my whole life, I just kind of went with with that and the fact that I love science I just always knew that I would go into something potentially medical I thought a lot about human medicine and um, I kind of realized I didn't really have a draw to the human part of the medicine so um, 
finally, when I was 18, I was about to move out for college and my parents were like, oh, we're going to get a dog. I know you've been asking for one for 18 years, but you know, since you're leaving, we're going to be lonely. <laughs> that we might get something to keep us busy. And so right. that was kind of where I realized that, you know, a veterinarian is also a doctor and works in science and medicine. And um, I had had other pets prior to that, but I was kind of too young to go with to the vet or I guess I wasn't too young, but I had just never gone. And so I just wasn't really exposed until I was 18. And then I went to a private liberal arts school that wasn't really well known for a pre-vet program. So my first um, exposure to vet medicine was really, honestly, vet school. Wow. Just sort of day one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I actually got to vet school and they're like, welcome to vet school. So what kind of vet do you want to be? And I was like, there are different kinds. <laughs> oh, goodness. <laughs> so I had a lot to learn really quickly. So sort of when you were 18, that was kind of your defining moment of, yes, I'm, I want to be a veterinarian. Or do you think it was sometime in your undergrad? Um, I mean, I, it was definitely the summer before undergrad started because we had to pick a major <laughs> and I was just kind of flip flop, flip flopping back and forth. And I, I just kind of, it was an epiphany almost. I just came across, you know, there's this whole profession that I had never really thought about before. And in my vet school interview, I actually, they asked me why I wanted to be a vet. And my answer was, well, this is the next best thing to being the crocodile hunter. <laughs> I kind of realized when I was about 16 or 17 that I, that, that wasn't really a viable option for me. And that's when I started kind of hunting around in the medical field. That's a great story. What area of the country did you grow up in? I grew up in Minnesota, a small town mm -hmm. just west of the Twin Cities. That's fun. So, so no crocodile hunter, but yes, veterinary medicine. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I still hope to someday visit the Australia Zoo where the Irwin family lives. <laughs> That's so great. What a great connection. And, and have you, I mean, since you've been in school, have you noticed that you kind of think about the crocodile hunter during school? <laughs> Oh, all the time. Um, my dog's name is Irwin, actually. <laughs> <laughs> I got him last year. He was my junior surgery dog. And the first name that came to mind was either Steve or Irwin. And I think Steve's kind of a weird name for a dog. So Irwin <laughs> <laughs> it is. That's awesome. What kind of dog? Uh, he's kind of a cattle dog mix, but definitely a lot of cattle dog in there. <laughs> That's wonderful. What a great story. <laughs> so I am sure as with everybody in the world right now that you have probably been impacted by COVID-19. And, you know, one of the reasons that we sort of want to chat with you is that we want to kind of get feedback from everybody as to how is this impacting everyone and what sort of ways can the VIN Foundation help and um, what sort of resources can we create or information can we share? So I'd love it if you'd sort of share your story as to how COVID's impacted your life. Yeah, I mean, everyone has their unique story. And I think a lot of people are affected more negatively than others. But, you know, it's still important to, even though my story isn't 
you know, um, devastating. It's, I still think it's important to acknowledge, um, everyone's story. So I, I count myself lucky that my school has still made it possible for us to graduate on time. Um, being in the class of 2020, I think that we made out pretty well, um, because we're almost done anyways. So basically, um, the biggest way it's affected my schooling is that our clinics have been transitioned to online learning. Um, so that's kind of um, a little bit stressful, you know, about to be a doctor and we're losing six to eight weeks of hands-on experience that was really supposed to be geared towards finishing up um, our critical skills that would really help us in practice. Right. Um, and yeah, are they, are they showing you videos? How are they sort of trying to make up for that? Yeah. So it's, it's really different at every school, but my school has decided to do online zoom calls. So basically they're, it's still kind of in-person interactive lecturing. Um, I personally have chosen to spend, um, my first class doing advanced imaging. So basically we have been, um, going over a bunch of thoracic radiology radiographs, um, this week so far. And then the professor will kind of, um, cherry pick us and call us out to answer questions to make sure we're paying attention and getting the most out of it. So it's definitely still been a good learning experience for me. Yeah. And it's probably, I mean, I'm betting as a lot of people are feeling that, you know, when you're in school, you have this huge sense of community and it's probably a big shift to be learning. I mean, while you are on this sort of Zoom community, you're definitely more isolated. And it's probably, you know, that lack of FaceTime, there probably is an impact from that on the learning. Do you feel so? Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, especially just the learning curve with technology and the professors that have never used it before because it's kind of all on them to lead this conversation and learn this technology at the same time. So it can be a little bit awkward too when like our video is not working or someone's microphone is echoing really loud or it just, it doesn't feel the same to the lecturer when they ask somebody to participate and then it's just kind of quiet because people don't want to talk over each other. So it right. definitely does impact the feel of the conversation. Yeah, I think that I can imagine it's probably a very different learning experience for you. And, and you've mentioned a little bit about how University of Illinois is, is managing it. Do you feel that they're, and that's for clinics and your learning, are they providing you with other resources to support you as well during this time? Or is it mostly shifting from just teaching in person to online? You know, they're honestly doing the best they can right now. It's difficult because they have to figure out a different situation for each of the four classes, as well as I'm sure they're dealing with the incoming class. So really it's five classes that they're trying to um, manage right now. And for, I feel like the fourth years have really been prioritized, which makes us, I'm thankful for that. And they're definitely providing more online CE um, a lot of professors have actually stepped up and been sending emails out to the whole school saying, Hey, I'm going to be on zoom at noon tomorrow. Um, email me any topics that you think would be beneficial to you in practice. And I'll talk about it for an hour. Um, so a lot of people have really stepped up and it's 
it's kind of been encouraging. That's wonderful. It's almost like an office hours, but on Zoom. Yeah, it's honestly like, I think I'm still really learning just as much as I would have in the clinic. It's just less about patient care and communication and more about the actual medicine. Yeah. And are you, are you finding that you're connecting with other students at other schools and are you guys sort of comparing situations and experiences? Yeah, I have the unique opportunity to know a lot of students at a lot of different schools. And it, it really sounds like most schools have switched to online clinics right now. And almost everyone is in about the same situation where their school is really trying their hardest to adjust to the situation. Um, there's definitely some ups and downs and it's not perfect, but you know, this has never happened before. So it's kind of hard to have a protocol for it. Absolutely. We're all living and, you know, we've, none of, none of us have been in this experience before this situation before. Um, I, I know that you were, um, the national compliance director for ReBMA in the previous year. Has that, has that group or community, have you big guys been able to stay connected in the midst of all this? Yeah, I actually speak frequently with both my national board as well as the board that's currently um, running, mostly the person who is taking over for me. And it seems like, you know, I'm I'm really proud of the the current board that we chose to take our place. They're really handling this situation with grace and it's I can't imagine being in their shoes right now, but I think it's really helpful that um, we're kind of two boards together. You know, we're there for them as the previous board to kind of support them and the things we know, but it's really good that they have support of our advisors, um, such as Paul, you know him, he's helping them a lot. And I think that they're handling it really well. Yeah, Dr. Paul Pyan from VIN and VIN Foundation Board. He's definitely a huge resource. And are there um, specific things that the VBMA is doing to help stay in touch with different members at different schools in the midst of this? Yeah, so we always, or I should say they, <laughs> it's hard. <laughs> well, you're still um, part of the team, right? Yeah. <laughs> to your point. <laughs> um, so they're, they're always in contact with uh, the regional leaders, which are a phenomenal group of students at each school or there's seven of them um and so they are in communication with their chapters of that region and so it's really good to have that middle level of communication between the schools and the national board and so what the the national board has discussed at least i saw there they posted a letter today um that they are canceling you know, in-person lectures and requirements for their business certificate program this spring, but they will be providing some online webinars about how to deal with, you know, all the different types of um, situations in relation to COVID, such as well-being and financial health and, and how this affects your student loans. So I'm really proud of them for coming up with that solution. That sounds like a great way to support their members. It's it's almost, you know, I think the BBMA is such a great group in general and provides such vital resources to veterinary students in general, but especially in a time like this, it almost allows each class, a subset of that class who are part of that, that BBMA group to feel even more connected. And I think that can be extremely important in times like these. 
Oh, for sure. Yeah. And it's, it's really great how they've adapted because there's so many events that have been canceled and, you know, people still need an education and they just so quickly switched to an online platform. And I think it's, I don't, I don't think that there's going to be any, be any skip in the business education of the members. That's wonderful. I think that this, this time, especially as there's so much that's unknown and so much, a lot of people have anxiety or uncertainties right now and having things that you can depend on and also spending that time and energy to provide that for others. Um, I'm sure that the leadership is all feeling probably stressed and overwhelmed in their, in their own way, but there's probably some sense of, um, you know, I don't want to say accomplishment, but almost a sense of purpose that that when they're providing this for their members, it gives them some sense of routine and support as well. Oh, definitely. And I can speak from experience that being on this national board, you definitely um, put in way more than, than you gain in a, like a financial or a time sense. You, you put a lot of your time into this, but you know, the sense of fulfillment that you gain from Um, participating and really contributing is, you know, priceless. And I think that this new board has done a great job and I can't imagine stepping into your role in January and then having this outbreak happen and everything that we train them in on has basically changed now and they're working on the fly. So impressive. It's really great to, um, to hear that and hear how they're adapting. Obviously you can uh, hear my dog in the background because we're all at home. So, <laughs> um, so how has the situation and the COVID situation impacted your NAVLI prep or job prospects? So, yeah, I personally have already taken the NAVLI, but I do have classmates that are either taking it for the first time or retaking it this spring. And it is definitely, um, kind of upset their schedule and, I can only imagine how much stress they're under right now because I know myself that having that day, you know, for me, December 12th, this is the day that I'm free and being able to count down to that was everything to me. And now their, their tests schedule is up in the air postponed as far as we know. And I think that, um, that can just add stress onto an already stressful situation. Right. Sort of as we were talking about that sort of uncertainty and unknown of when that's going to be. Right. And yeah. and how do you continue to prep and how much do you prep if you're not sure when? And yeah, <laughs> just <some> endless yeah. <laughs> exactly. Because they say don't don't study more than two or three months ahead of time. And it's what like, if you don't oh, know when that two to three months is? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right. <laughs> And as far as um, my job and other people's jobs, I personally um, do have a job lined up, um, but I do have friends and classmates that are affected by this um, that have either had to um, find another job because their offer was rescinded or their internship offered for them to step down without repercussions, which is nice, but I could also understand how it's kind of devastating to match at an internship and then have it respectfully taken back because of something out of your, out of your control. Right. That's gotta be so tough. I mean, just getting through school in general and graduating and then to put so much time and effort to, Oh great. I finally have this lined up. Right. And all the effort and time that goes into that. And then 
you don't have this lined up and I'm betting that trying to find something else right now, there is probably a lot of uncertainty and unknown in that. Do you find that, I mean, it's wonderful that you're in a situation where you do have something lined up. Do you find that there's others? Um, how, how are they dealing with that? You know, I think that everyone at this point is taking this a day at a time. Um, it's, it's funny because I'm not superstitious, but when we got into vet school, everyone kept telling us what a great time it is to be a vet. You know, millennials are treating their pets like children and spending more money on them. And you're really in this profession at the right time. And they would compare it to the economic crisis of 2008. And it just, you know, it, it's just so weird how things can change overnight, basically. Um, people are losing their jobs and filing for unemployment. And even if that isn't in the vet profession, it still will affect us. And I know personally, even though I do have a job lined up, I do worry that, you know, as a person who wants to own one or more um, practices someday, it does worry me a little bit that the economy might impact my five-year plan you know, um, you just simply won't know until it all plays out. Right. And I, you're totally right. The best thing that everyone can do, each of us is take it one day at a time and focus on the things that we are able to control and, um, and, and try to set little small goals for ourselves on a daily basis. And, um, all those things can be beneficial to, to, to help in the midst of this time, because I think you know, one day at a time is really the best approach because there's so much uncertainty and we can't control that. You know, we don't, yeah. there's no way to know when the NAVLI is going to be. <laughs> there's no right. way to know how um, the economy is going to do. I mean, there's projections just as there's projections of COVID cases, et cetera, and modeling, but um, we just don't know. And the, I think the one day at a time is a really wise approach for that. Yeah, it almost takes us back into a time before technology and before everyone would plan their life out so far in advance. It's just kind of it's grounding us all and making us appreciate the day to day and really live in the moment, I guess. Yeah, yeah, I think that's something that you and I spoke about the other day is just how there's some things that you kind of take for granted and then you sort of come into this spot and you think, Oh my gosh, I didn't think about that until it's not there, you know, and, and there still is right now so much to be grateful for. And, mm. and I mean, I think if you're healthy, you should be grateful for being healthy right now. And, mm. um, but I think you and I were talking about that the other day. And I think there's definitely a lot of truth to that. Yeah. And, you know, speaking of health, I, yeah, I'm, I'm really lucky to be, you know, unaffected as of right now. And, you know, most likely not in the future because I'm quarantining myself in my home with my dog. So, but I, I wish that I could be with my family, but you know, they're both, my parents are immunocompromised and my husband is a paramedic. So he's on the front lines of everything. And his work has asked him to limit his contact with, um, non, non-essential workers, basically, your family. And so if you don't live with them, you really shouldn't go visit them. So I won't be seeing my husband in a while. And although we're both healthy, it, it still can be hard. Yeah, that's really, really hard. I think that we, 
uh, I'm doing the same thing. Like each of my family are self-isolating each of our own households. And that's, it's tricky because you don't want to get anybody sick and you don't know. Right. And um, like you said, you and your husband are both healthy. And, Mm -hmm. but if you were accidentally carrying it and then one of you got sick or, you know, it's so, so tricky to know that. And I can imagine that's going to be really hard being um, far away from your parents and from your husband. And how do you guys stay in touch in the midst of this? Yeah. So he also being a paramedic has weird hours. And so he works night shift. So basically (laughs) we have a phone call in the morning and he says, good night. And I say, good morning. (laughs) And then um, later in the evening, we also try to call each other and just kind of catch up with text messages and video calling. Um, We try it normal. Yeah. Yeah. I think those sorts of things of, of normalcy in the midst of this are so important. And even those little connections, just being on video chat, I think makes a really big difference. Yeah. It really does feel no different than, um, for me at least, as long as I have that emotional connection, you know, as long as we can speak every day, it, it doesn't change the fact that we're husband and wife and we're still connected like that. It's just, it's hard when I've been busy for eight years, like I'm too busy. I have to study or I have a test and I really shouldn't go out this weekend kind of thing. And then all of a sudden I have all of this free time, but I can't be with my family or my husband. And it's just right. kind of a weird feeling. Yeah. And how, how are you finding that you're spending this free time that you have? Yeah, I, I definitely have it's weird because I still have kept pretty busy. Um, although it feels like we have more free time. I, (laughs) I started up playing a video game called animal crossing to take my mind off things. I'm sure some listeners will know what that is, but for those who don't, it's basically you're living your life in this outside world, walking around and it feels kind of good because you can visit your friends. I visit my vet school. <laughs> it's just kind of a funny situation where we can still be connected with that. Right. Um, yeah. And then I also spend time with my dog and my two cats and I, it's a nice excuse to say that I'm not technically talking to myself. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, and speaking of normalcy too, you know, I've always been almost, you know, my mom would tell me I spread myself too thin in her words, but I always really like to stay involved in my vet community. Um, I like to check in with my colleagues and my classmates to keep up morale and, you know, see if they need help or just want to talk. Um, I know people are doing like zoom happy hours and just keeping connected to keep that normalcy. Um, and with VBMA, I've felt kind of, you know, an empty spot. And so I really enjoyed spending this week so far with the VIN Foundation, um, speaking with you guys and helping out there. Yeah, so we should probably say that Shiloh is doing a uh, <laughs> professional development week with the VIN Foundation, which has been fantastic. We're halfway through. And <laughs> it's so I know (laughs) it's, um, it's so fantastic getting to work with you and, you know, our, our, our 
goal is that our mission is that we're here to help and anything that we can do to help veterinary colleagues. And it's, it's great to get different perspectives on things. And, you know, we come to this always wanting to learn and improve. And so we really enjoy this time with you and thank you for, for, for letting us. (laughs) Uh, I really appreciate the opportunity to have an inside look at everything that goes on. Well, maybe not everything, but you know, the, the calls the that pretty I've, parts, at least yeah. the pretty parts. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the calls that I've been involved in, I've, I've really enjoyed seeing just a little bit of how you make the magic. And I I've always known that the Vin foundation likes to help out, but seeing the amount of resources that you guys have and how much work that you've put into finding them is just, it's really opened my eyes this week. Wonderful. Well, that sort of leads us right into another question that I had, which is, are there any resources that you sort of wish you had right now to help you in this age of COVID professionally um, as a veterinary student or, you know, anything? (laughs) Um, Well, I guess in just a life perspective, I, I appreciate and hope that, you know, we still have access to things like delivery services and personal protection equipment at the grocery stores and, and all of that stuff that we probably took for granted before. You know, when I go to the grocery store, I don't think about being six feet away from someone else, but now I do. (laughs) Um, But, you know, one thing that I've found difficult is to do self-teaching and we're provided a lot of resources by our school, but I appreciate when there are checklists or guided learning. So I really like when um, the VIN Foundation does webinars or, you know, a type of learning that you can kind of just follow along to rather than having to motivate yourself. Yeah, that's, that's actually great. We started doing checklists about a year ago for the different sections, um, different paths of student loans. And we, people, I think people enjoy that. It's, it's helpful to, it's sort of like if you're going to write a document and if somebody writes half of it for you, it's much easier to go in and edit it than it is to start on your own. Right. So (laughs) if you have a checklist, it at least just gets you started. It's not all the information you're going to ever need. Right. But it's ideally Mm -hmm. something those are those kind of to-do list that can help you in the process. Cause there's so much, I mean, I mean, before COVID, there was just so much information, right? And with COVID, there's so much information and anything to sort of, you know, not dummy that down, but make it more digestible, you know, and make it more easy to comprehend. Um, And I think being able to have those things from resources that you trust are extremely important. I know for me personally, I feel that way. Oh, definitely. Yeah. And I was actually talking about that with Matt Holland, um, another person who works with the VIN Foundation. And we were just talking about how there are so many resources out there. But like you said, it's, it's, can we make it digestible and put it into something that people can actually process? Because it's hard to look at a thousand things and pick out the three that you need. So I, I really appreciate the, especially the student debt um, repayment there's a checklist that helps you kind of figure out what you need to gather once you're about to graduate and things you need to think about. Yeah, wonderful. We'll be doing another webinar for uh, new grads within about a month or so for a new new grad student loan playbook. And we'll link to that as well. The previous um, last year is in our show notes or the episode notes for anyone that wants to take a look at it. Um, 
so, you know, this is, this might kind of be a tough question, but if you knew about a month ago, what, you know, now, would you change anything? I mean, it seems like this last month, everything has just completely turned in a lot of ways upside down. Um, and I'm just always curious if people, you know, knowing what you know now, what would you shift if anything? Yeah, I think it's weird because I was trying to think about the progression of this whole situation because I was so involved with clinics in my own life that I tried to think back about when it started and all I could do was go, okay, what rotation was I on when we started talking more about it? And I realized I was on my equine medicine rotation and I just kept thinking, oh my gosh, I feel like Corona or COVID gets brought up every three sentences. And so I realized that was about mid-February. And I just remember taking it so lightly. And and I feel like if I could go back, I definitely wouldn't take it so lightly because we're all used to hearing about crazy things around the world. We're not really used to it directly affecting us. You know, as Americans, I feel like um, we're kind of privileged in that we are isolated from a lot of the the bigger things that happen in the world as far as affecting our daily life. And if I could go back, I definitely would have, you know, taken it a little bit more seriously. At the time I was planning my honeymoon and and they talked about how um, Italy was being affected. And I was like, well, we were planning on going to Italy. Maybe, maybe we should wait to buy the tickets. And then the following day, um, they actually banned all travel to Italy. <laughs> and so it was just kind of a crazy timing. And I feel like if I could really change something, I would, I probably would have gotten back to see my family sooner before it spread so that I, I could be with them right now. Um, instead of, you know, it getting over to Illinois and then it becoming the situation where I really shouldn't go home. Right. That's going to be, that's going to be really hard. Are you able to video chat with your parents also? Yes. After many, many tries. (laughs) 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 My parents are are boomers. So it was a bit difficult, but we finally got it going. (laughs) Wonderful. (laughs) Yeah. My mom had her birthday on Saturday and we actually, it was a task because we got another boomer, (laughs) one of their (laughs) friends to, um, download zoom and surprise my mom on a call for her birthday because they were supposed to hang out that day. And she was really bummed out that they wouldn't see their longtime friend. So it was kind of a fun, innovative way to still make her happy on her birthday. Oh, that's wonderful. My mom's birthday is on Friday. So we're thinking of innovative things. So I like it. Yeah. (laughs) Does it count if you like bake a cake and then eat it on Zoom and show them that that was their cake? (laughs) Would that count? I don't know. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, I think, you know, a lot of, I, I try to look for some of the silver linings here. And I think, you know, um, one of them for sure is, just feeling so grateful for the people that we love and expressing that. Yeah. I, I don't think we would be able to do this if this happened 30 years ago. Right. The technology right now is really in a place which is, um, allows us just a phenomenal freedom that we never 
would have had before. You know, I mean, to your point, if this had happened 30 years ago, who knows where we would have been. And, and with Zoom and everything, it allows, I mean, as bad as the economy is, it allows us, it allows so many to keep going, you know, and there's huge benefit in that. Yeah, I feel like a lot of uh, schools haven't even really skipped a beat. You know, they stopped clinics on Friday and started online clinics on Monday just because of the resources, just the internet in general allows everyone to connect. Yeah, it's re- we are very, very fortunate to have Zoom <laughs> and Slack <laughs> and other tools like that that allow us to stay connected and video chat, right? I mean... FaceTime mm-hmm. or Google Hangouts or all of these things that are really great tools that allow us to still feel some sort of connection in the midst yeah. of it. Even, you know, as silly as it sounds, even little things like Snapchat just keeps a constant connection with my friend and allows me to still share my daily life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that that's actually a- another thing I wanted to sort of discuss with you is how what has sort of been your constant in the midst of all of this sort of chaos? Um, it sounds like Snapchat. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we kind of just got into it a little, a little bit. Um, I would say technology has been my main constant, you know, it's, it's kept me feeling less isolated. It's, and it's allowed me to keep my, what my normalcy is in that staying involved with the vet community by, you know, volunteering my time to different organizations. And without technology, I would not be able to stay connected with VDMA and VIN and all of the other groups I'm in and social media. And I just actually have found that some of my social connections have actually gotten better because we all have more time to sit around and and message each other instead of running around, um, you know, picking up dog poop or something (laughs) (laughs) you know at clinics it feels like you never get to sit down and eat lunch and I'm kind of I'm thankful that I've actually been able to you know reassess some of my friendships and relationships with colleagues and kind of build them stronger that's wonderful. Yeah, I think that all those things are so important and it, it's important to remember the good things and to be grateful for the things that we are able to be grateful for in the midst of this time. And um, I so appreciate you sharing your story with us and, and kind of giving people a little bit of an insight on what it's like to be a fourth year veterinary student right now in the age of COVID. I really appreciate the chance to talk with you today. Thank you so much, Shiloh. And thank you so much for this week of professional development. And we look forward to working with you in a lot of different ways going forward. Yeah, me as well. Thanks, Shiloh. Talk to you soon. Thanks. Thank you for joining us for this episode of The Veterinary Pulse. Please check the episode notes for additional information referenced in the podcast. If you enjoyed this podcast, please follow, subscribe, and share review. We welcome feedback and hope you will tune in again. You can find out more about the VIN Foundation through our website, vinfoundation.org, and our social media channels. Thank you for being here. Be well.